Welcome to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. They get the credit, we ask the questions. This is Credit Hour. Today we speak with Coach Bob Nielsen, head coach of the USD football team about his career and the Coyotes' upcoming Dakota Days homecoming game. Hi Bob, how's it going this morning? It's going good, thanks. Now, obviously, we want to talk about the big game here, but we also want to talk about you a little bit. You know, what got you interested into coaching and football and specifically? Well, it's a long time ago now. <laughs> um, I, you know, it really started when I was in college. I wasn't, I was a business major, started out as a business major, actually didn't really know what I wanted to do. And uh, through the course of my experience, uh, uh, due to some injury situations, got a chance. I was asked to, to, if I had any interest in being a student coach and um, said, yeah. Uh, you know, I had friends that were playing on the team. And so as uh, um, I uh, went through that experience as a student coach, kind of fell uh, like this was the the passion that I was looking for. And uh I was really fortunate. Um, I got hired as an assistant coach uh, by the guy that that I worked for as a student coach, and so I transitioned right from being a college student to a to a college football coach. And now, thirty, you know, thirty six, thirty seven years later, I'm still doing it. You know, you talked about being like a business major in a different world. You know, are you like leading a company? What, what, uh, what, is, what is the alternate reality for you look like? Well, honestly, uh, uh, interestingly enough, I um, uh, was thinking about possibly going to law school. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's some of the same analytical type things in coaching that uh, probably uh, uh, lawyers find as a needed skill. And, and so... Uh, yeah, I've always wondered that. I get asked that a lot. You know, what would you be doing if you weren't coaching? And I'm not sure I can give you a good answer. So for you, coaching, are you more interested then in the you know, X's and O's, drawing up plays? Is that really what motivates you? Is it now, kind of as you've gone throughout your career, the relationships you get to form? Is it a little bit of both? Yeah, it's really about relationships. Um, you know, I think about over the years now, you know, a couple of thousand guys probably that I've had the opportunity to coach. And uh, what's really interesting now is you see some of those former players having kids that you're involved in recruiting. Um, and you hear back from them about, uh, you know, the difference that uh, you may have had and the, the, in, in the effect that you had in, in their life um, and how uh, their participation as a part of the team uh, was instrumental in them uh, getting to where they're at now and in, in from a career standpoint. Uh, I think as a young coach, you know, you, you think a little bit more about X's and O's and now in 27 years as a head coach, it's a little bit more about uh, every year being very different in terms of how you build that, uh, build that team. You know, what position did you play when you, when, you, in you, when you were in your playing days, I guess? Well, believe it or not, I graduated from high school at uh, about 220 pounds as an offensive lineman. And uh, back when you could play in the offensive line at 220 pounds. And, and so uh, uh, as I, um, you know, got done uh, or as I uh, ended up not, not playing and got into the student coaching role, um, you know, it was, I started as a line coach, uh, cause that's where my area of expertise was and then kind of transitioned from there. 
You know, I got to be honest, I had looked up your Wikipedia page. So I saw that it said that your kind of first coaching position was offensive line. I thought you were, I thought I was going to be able to tease out a story about how you were a receiver having to go back um, and, and coach the big guys. Now, is there like a, a side of the ball that you prefer to coach? I saw that right after that experience, you ended up moving over to the defensive coordinator yeah, position. I, uh, you know, for, for the majority of my career, I was, uh, in addition to being the head coach, also the offensive coordinator. It was only within the last. Um, seven, eight years that uh, that's changed uh, where I've strictly just been the head coach, but I still spend a little bit more time on the offensive side of the ball than I do on the defensive side of the ball. Tell me a little bit about kind of your journey in coaching. I think that it's an interesting profession because obviously it's about building traditions, but generally you have to move. You know, you, you first obviously had your first position at Wartburg College. What was kind of the next stop um, in your journey? Well, I, uh, I worked there between my years as a student coach and my years as an actual assistant coach there. I, I worked there for about 10 years and uh, uh, felt that if there was an opportunity to move uh, to be a head coach, uh, that even at uh, the age of, of 29, um, that uh, I was ready for that opportunity. And I was really fortunate uh, um, I got an opportunity to be the head coach at Ripon College, a small private school in Wisconsin, at the age of 29, uh, back when it was not very common for a 29-year-old to be a head coach. It's actually a little bit more common now, believe it or not. Um, learned a lot. Uh, I always say I learned on the job um, as a head coach those first two years. Um, uh, I did a lot of things uh, wrong that you learn from, um, but did enough things right that I was able to transition that job back to my alma mater, uh, went back to Wartburg uh, College uh, where I had graduated from and built some really strong relationships uh, both as uh, the head football coach and, and athletic director, and it was a great place. Um, is still is. Uh, I have a lot of deep ties there. Uh, spent five years there, and then decided that uh, you know maybe trying to get out of the private school environment and into a, a more competitive level of college football was something that I wanted to do. Now, if you were going to go back in time and tell a, a younger you maybe one piece of advice when you took on that first head coaching position, what would it be? Um, you know, I, I think. Uh, you know, you, you, you've got to be yourself. Um, that was the one thing, you know, a lot of guys I know that, you know, when they become head coaches, they think they have to be different. And, um, you know, I'm, I, uh, I felt that's the one thing throughout my career uh, that I've always been able to do. Even at 29 years old, I was who I was as a person. And I think players relate to that. Uh, they can see phoniness in a hurry and, and um, um and been able to, to carry that through now at, at five different places. Well, and that's a question I wanted to ask was how you describe your own coaching style um, and more specifically how you relate to players. I mean, fads change, technology changes. How do you adapt to all of that change that occurs you know, with every recruiting class? Uh, you know, I think, uh, first of all, coaching style is just that we're always going to have high expectations, you know, high expectations for what we want to achieve as a football team, high expectations for uh, involvement in in the program. Um, you know, it, it's you ask the question about, you know, how you see yourself. I think, you know, probably over the years, things have changed more to uh, probably uh, be more of a father figure um, in, in the relationship that you have with young men. Um, 
heck, I'm older than most of the guys' fathers right now, and, and so that does change. At the same time, you know, they, they have to see uh, somebody that's um, committed to their development um, as, a, as an individual as well as somebody that obviously puts the, the emphasis on, on the big picture, and um, those expectations that we talk about are uh, fulfilling your role within the football team. You mentioned that you would return to Wartburg College, get an opportunity to coach there. When would you move on to the University of Minnesota at Duluth? I uh, moved there in uh, 1999. Um, you know, it was an opportunity to to replace a legend in college football. You know, you the guy I replaced had been the head coach there for 40 years. His name was on the stadium. Uh, it was a little bit ominous when you walk out there for the first time and realize that the guy that you're replacing as the head coach is uh, one of the most recognized uh, coaches in the country and also, you know, obviously a legend there at the school. And uh, at the same time, it was, you know, that program was in need of a little bit of rejuvenation. And, um, um, you know, through the years there, we, we built a, a highly competitive program that um, I always say when, when you leave a place, if the program continues to, do, to be highly successful, which they have at Duluth, you've done a really good job as a coach. And, and uh, uh, it's been good to see them have continued success. Now you had big shoes to fill obviously but but like you mentioned I mean you had a lot of success there you'd win a division two national championship I wonder if there's anything from that season in particular that you remember was there like a moment where you were like oh we're gonna be good this year or hey we have a real shot at doing it this year I mean was it a practice a game was there anything specific you can uh, remember you know it was the the right chemistry of leadership um, on our team we had a really good senior class that even though they are coming off a year where they had not necessarily been super Super successful record-wise, uh, we had a group of of seniors that really believed that we could win and win at a high level, and so it was just about feeding that belief um, and uh, you know making sure that we're taking ownership for what we do, and and uh, you know we went on gained confidence. Uh, um, you know by the time we got to the championship game, there really was no doubt that we were going to win. It's just that we had a team that was playing with that level of confidence and that carried over there once you get that established you know it just bleeds into your younger uh, classes and the next thing you know you know you've you've kind of got a tradition going and you know two years later we won another one you know obviously you take on a new challenge you'd eventually come to South Dakota what attracted you to Vermilion um, in this program well, having been in the league at Western Illinois, um, you know, I I uh, um, I knew a little about the situation here, um, and uh, always felt that there was opportunity here uh, as they were going through that transition um, process into Division One to, you know, to build a a unique. Uh, type of program. Um, uh, when I talked with President Abbott and David Herbster, who is a guy that I had known for probably 20 years, um, you know, they impressed upon me their vision. Um, and uh, it was a vision of 
being a Division One program the right way, doing the things that we needed to do to be competitive, uh, whether it be with facilities and funding. And and uh, at that time in my career, uh, uh, it was it was that kind of building opportunity that I was looking for, where everybody was fully vested and and invested and and. Uh, um, uh, and so it's been it's been great. The fans here have been great. Uh, obviously, we we need to 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 take you know one more step forward as a football team. We had a chance to experience the national playoffs, but um, I've learned over the years that you know sometimes the the building process or every time the building process is different, and and every situation you know requires uh, a little bit more attention in certain areas. Like I said, one thing that I find interesting about your career is you've kind of worked in different positions, both on a coaching staff, but also in an athletic department. You've been an AD before. Um, I'm curious how that informs uh, maybe the way you look at coaching, um, your responsibilities as a coach. And, you know, did you learn anything in that athletic director position that you've been able to kind of translate into your coaching um, on a day to day basis? Well, I think as a coach, being an AD gives you a little bit broader uh, perspective for what goes on in an athletic department. I think lots of times uh, coaches are pigeonholed on, "Hey, we, this is this is really important for our program," and and to have that broader perspective, you, you kind of get a sense of how it all fits together and uh, uh, the need for that balance in programs like ours to to be successful across the board. Uh, you know, I think it uh, it's also provided some um, some value for me in in how you approach whether it's hiring decisions or administrative decisions. Um, there were some some uh, um, the the kinds of decisions that you make as a head coach are, are similar to what you make as an AD uh, that are really important for your program, and and all of that has uh, been a big part of my development. You know, one thing that is unique to a football team is just how large it is. I mean, you have dozens and dozens of players. Obviously, you're bringing in new recruits. There's an extended family, I think, of you know older players that want to come back and help. How do you manage all of the egos, all of the different personalities, um, and try to create a cohesive unit? I mean, what are the challenges that come with just operating with so many different people? Well, you have to have a good staff. Um, you know, I, uh, when you have 105 players like we have here, it's it's hard to have uh, you know the kind of uh, effective personal relationship with everybody. I always say I've got a relationship with all 105 guys, but you know some you're closer with than others. And so what your staff does is you know provides that uh, uh, that out outreach um, from a position coach standpoint, from a coordinator standpoint, where they develop those meaningful uh, additional meaningful relationships with with players and and then when you get to a division one situation like this there's there's a lot more things outside of football whether it uh, is relating to to alumni um, you know being a part of some of the more global types of things that uh, that the department uh, needs you to do um, that's really important uh, from a program development standpoint, and and uh, and so um, having a good staff, uh, being well versed in dealing with with the multiplicities of of uh, that are required of a head coach is is uh, is important. You know, what makes a good teammate? 
uh, you know, a good teammate is uh, somebody that's willing to do their role, whatever whatever it is, and to do it well. Um, we've, we've talked about that here this year over the first three weeks when things haven't necessarily been going as well as we would like uh, in the win-loss column is we, we talk about uh, being a teammate, whatever your role is, um, whether it's cheering for the sideline or playing a specific position on a kicking game unit uh, to being a starter. You know, fulfilling that role. Don't try to do more than your role. Just do your role and do it well and and uh, um, support each other, uh, believe in each other. Um, you know, those are the characteristics that good teams uh, have and championship teams have. You've obviously seen the, the, the transition, you know, with technology, social media. How do you handle that as a coach? I mean, I, I think that's something that obviously just comes up into the news, maybe necessarily so. That's why it's making news, right? People put kind of ridiculous things on social media sometimes. Does USD have a policy? Do you police um, your players' social media? Or how, yeah, how do I you, mean, you know, we, teach we, them to be yeah. responsible with it? We, we, we talk about it openly that, you know, what you put on social media, you know, represents you, represents as a part of our team, represents our team. And so... Um, we try to allow our guys to have some freedom in that regard without uh, being overbearing, but at the same time make sure that they understand that that's uh, something that they're responsible for. And, uh, um, you know, I, I uh, uh, most you know, most coaches now have become social media recruiters. I've probably, you know, myself and a couple of other guys probably uh, have tended to be on the on the flip side of that where we're not as involved in in social media but I also understand that that's the way that you have to communicate with uh, with young men now and and uh, in the recruiting process and um, it's not going to change if anything it's going to continue to grow what's next for the program I mean obviously you set goals individually for the season but you're probably trying to build towards something a little bit longer term there's obviously also exciting things happening just amongst our athletic program with the dome renovation I mean what are you excited about in the next you know five years um, here at USD football well I, you know I came here um, and uh, with the goal of building this program to be a national contender year in, year out. I, I firmly believe that that's possible here and that we're going to make that happen. Uh, we had the chance to experience a, a national playoff berth for the first time in Division One program history in 2017. I think our guys understand what we have to do to make that uh, consistent level of performance. Um, you know, part of that is building the kind of depth in your program with your recruitment that you need. Um, we're working on that here. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's really, you know, my goal is to, to, to build a program here that uh, – that everyone uh, that's associated with the university and our uh, um, our football program, our alumni base, are, are proud of, and and to to do that in a way where we can compete nationally. You know, before we hit record in the podcast, we were discussing just some of the challenges that come with the dome renovation. You mentioned like practicing outside. Um, sometimes you just have to do it with the with the noise. You know, what are you most excited about with the dome renovation? Um, what do you think that's going to do for our program? 
Well, I think it's going to give us, number one, the kinds of true Division One facilities that uh, that you need at, at this level of, of football. Um, a new locker room, player facilities. If you look at what the Sanford Coyote Sports Center has done for our basketball and volleyball programs, uh, that facility is a state-of-the-art Division One caliber facility, and the dome renovation will provide that for us from a football standpoint. Uh, those facilities assist with your recruiting. Um, they, uh, they're also going to provide, uh, the kinds of fan amenities that we don't have right now currently in the dome. And, and I think will make the dome one of the premier indoor football venues at, uh, at this level of division one. Um, one fun story I heard, um, is that, our football program is very family oriented um, with you. Maybe literally. So your daughter is a huge um, coyote fan, even sometimes checks in um, and bugs you about potential recruits. W- what's it like having a family that's so supportive of your program? What's their involvement yeah. been in? I mean, did they, did they get to travel to games and stuff when they were younger? What's that mean to you? Yeah. You know, I'm really fortunate. I, you know, as a coach, you, your kids and wife always have to share you with a um, hundred plus other guys. And, uh, my my oldest daughter Amanda is certainly the the biggest of the football fans. Um, she was uh, an only child for ten years, and she grew up really as as a coach's daughter. I always joke that if she would have been a boy, she would have played. Um, you know, she she, uh, but she was around our players um, and uh, is a is a football nut. And then the twins came along a little bit later, and and they're great supporters too. And and uh, they get here a lot for games uh, even though uh, they all live out of town um, at this point in time in their lives and and it's great to have that family support I, I think coaching is is a is a tough deal um, but it's also really tough on on families and uh, you know I've been blessed uh, with great support from those people uh, both uh, my wife Terry and and uh, the three children yeah, I, I think we're probably running out of time, so I kind of want to circle back here. One question I was really curious, though, to ask you is, is there one thing that you would want people who maybe don't have an interest in athletics to know about our student-athletes? I mean, obviously, they, they have a school schedule. They, they you know have the responsibilities that come with being a part of a team. What would you say about our student-athletes um, that other people might not realize? Um you know, I, I think uh, I think most people understand the commitment that Division One athletes have to make in terms of time. Um, you know, both the meetings, the the lifting, the year round uh, type of commitment. But um, you know, I, I, I don't. I think you know the the thing that's uh, probably uh, the most uh, misunderstood is. Um, the fact that, you know, our, our athletes are truly, um, in a microscope in regard to their, their entire lives, you know, their, you know, every, everything that, that they do, uh, because you're in a division one athlete is 
uh, representation. Uh, we just talked about social media. You know, you talk about uh, all of their um, activities as whether it's in the classroom or or uh, um, you know in their social lives. Uh, it's a big responsibility um, that uh, that they have to take seriously and they have to be accountable for and. Um, and, and, and certainly from a student athlete standpoint, um, uh, we understand why that is. Um, but at the same time, it, it's a responsibility that, uh, uh, that I don't think some people fully, uh, fully get. No, we are recording this, um, during the bye week, but the next game coming up is, um, the big one. It's homecoming Dakota days. Obviously it's, um, I think a favorite tradition of anyone who goes and attends USD, whether they're interested in athletics or not, it's a just great community event. Um, but the big game is on Saturday. It will happen at 2 PM versus Indiana state. You know, do you have to coach a little bit differently, a homecoming game to make sure like the emotions don't get too high? Uh, Do you have to take a little bit different approach? I've always uh, said this about homecoming games. You know, early in the week, we always talk about the fact that our our team has one responsibility in homecoming, and that's to win the game. Um, try not to get too involved with some of the other things that go on. Uh, what makes uh, D days and homecoming games really unique is for many for many people, it's the one time a year where they get to come back and. Uh, um, there's a there's a different level of of pride that shows up, whether it's due to the fact that you have more people that come back, or that just the fact that they draw deeply from their experiences as a result of it being homecoming, and and we want to play that way on Saturday. We want to play with a team that demonstrates unbelievable pride and passion. What can you tell us about Indiana State? What are we going to have to do to be successful on the field? Well, they're actually a really good football team. Uh, they were picked as one of the top three in the conference in the preseason poll, uh, a team that uh, uh, has improved dramatically over the last three years, uh, a team that uh, is a little bit more ground-oriented offensively than than uh, a lot of the teams that we've faced uh, up to this point. Um, team that plays very aggressive defense has a couple of the best defensive players in the league returning. Uh, so it'll be a game uh, that uh, will be a little bit different than some of our non-league games in terms of style of play. But at the same time, uh, like all Valley games, it's going to be a game against an outstanding opponent. Um, Bob, I've got one more question for you. Right. We usually like to end on a little bit more philosophical note. So thinking about your career, um, your opportunity to get to kind of create different programs, build different programs, work with you know young men, um, what at this point in your life do you know for sure? <laughs> what do I know for sure? Um, I know we're going to have a game a week from Saturday, uh, you know, and uh, – you know, I—that's I, uh, a really good question. I—I—I I, um, I think uh, the one thing I know for sure is I—I I know who I am uh, as a person, and and uh, um, I really like what I'm doing. You know, that's—I uh, um, I tell everybody, uh, 37 uh, years, um, and you know, standing thing is you've never worked a day in your life. I can truly say that because I get to come to work every day. And get an opportunity to be around a bunch of highly motivated individuals, uh, both players, coaches, that are all working for a common goal, and and that's an exciting place to be. Bob, um, thank you so much for all the hard work you do. We're really excited, and we'll be out there cheering for you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Go Yotes!
Thank you for listening to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. Listening is 100% of the grades. We hope you enjoyed the episode. 